0: Feel like this from the Lord from John chapter fifteen, so open up your Bibles uh, to John chapter fifteen, and uh, man, we've we've been on a journey as you know through the book of John. It's kind of coming to a close here towards the end of the year. Which, to be honest with you, uh, I, I just recently gave my Bible to my son because uh, it's you know it's, it's it's highlighted a bunch, and so I wanted to give him like like a cheat sheet to getting into the Bible, you know, I'm like, just read the highlighted stuff, you know, that'll be a good start, so anyway, I gave him my Bible, and he was, the other day, we were reading through John together, and he's like, man, he's like, you read John a lot, because it's like, you know, highlighted, and there's like holes in the pages, and, you know, he's like, he's like, man, you really like John, I'm like, well, I actually do really like John, it's been awesome, uh, so John chapter 15, there's a lot in here, as I can say, with every chapter in John. And as I've been processing through this and reading through it and, and preaching from it, as you well know, this is not a verse by verse. But really trying to, to get from the Lord, like, what is the overall theme of what, um, what John, through the Holy Spirit, is communicating through this amazing chapter uh, as a recap, we're up in the upper room together. Jesus has been sort of unpacking this, right? They did Passover together, um, and, and Jesus sort of reclaimed Passover as, as what we know now is the Lord's Supper, and then he washed the disciples' feet, and, uh, and then he began talking about the Holy Spirit through the idea of troubles are coming. It's not going to be easy, but I'm with you, and you can walk victoriously in the midst of... The pain and the struggle, that's what we talked about last week, through adversity, not replacing it. That's what the gospel is. It's victory through adversity. And so this week, we're going to hit John chapter 15, and it's sort of the the, the continuation of this conversation. And um, so I'm going to read a bunch of scripture, but I'm not going to read it all at once. So we're just going to start with this, and I'm going to pray. I am. This is the uh, Passion Translation, which I go to every once in a while. It's just, I love it. I'm the sprouting vine, this is Jesus talking, and you are my branches as you live in union with me as your source. Fruitfulness will stream from within you, but when you live separated from me, you are powerless. Father God, we thank you for your word and the privilege that we have once again to quiet ourselves and listen to you. We truly are powerless. There's so many things in life that we have absolutely no control over. But it's in those moments when we, as Liz said, shut the computer, put the phone down, and we tap into something greater that you speak life to us and it changes everything. And so that's what we're asking for today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, So in this chapter, Jesus mentions bearing fruit or being fruitful six times in 16 verses. And so, you know, when you first started reading this chapter, you know, he starts out and says, I'm the vine, you are the branches, and he talks a lot about abiding in me. And it's sort of the abiding chapter. But after sort of really digging into it, the overall context and the overall subject matter of this entire chapter really is about bearing fruit. You like my little illustration? Although that's an onion. I don't know how that got in there. So we're just going to... An onion's a fruit. Is that what I heard? Okay. Fruitfulness. And it makes sense because to be honest with you, we focus a lot on, on desiring to bear fruit. Say it another way. We desire to be different. We desire to improve. We desire to change. We want our relationships to get better. We want our walk with God to get better. We want our careers and our finances and every area of our life. Like no one wants to stay the same. And even as we kind of get into this, you know, the holiday and get ready for the new year, we're already probably thinking about like, okay, 2021, what is it going to hold? And no one wants to be, you know, worse than this year. Everyone wants to, like, let's improve. Let's move forward um, let's let's bear fruit, this is something that, that we talk about a lot. We think about a lot. We strive for a lot. And so the title of my message today is, Where Does True Change Come From? Where does fruitfulness, in whatever category you're talking about it in, where does that even come from? Because Jesus refers to it six times in 16 verses. In a short period of time, in a conversation with his disciples, Jesus refers to Bearing fruit or being fruitful, six different times. Now listen, if Jesus says something once, it's important. If he says it six times in one conversation, that's a topic that we should dig into a little bit. And so um, I, I was kind of thinking about, you know, where stuff comes from, and if you know me, you know, I am not what people would call a handyman. <laughs> Alex is handy. Fernando's handy, and many of you others probably could build some things. I'm not that guy. In fact, uh, I went over to Alex's house this week, and he had me help him with something, and I think I was, I think I was, like, the opposite of a help. I think I hurted you. You could have done it better without me, um, because I'm just not the guy. Like, if you have something broke in your house, don't invite me over. Um, However, I will say that I have made some attempts and, and one of my attempts was making a coffee table. And um, I've built fences before and things like that, but I've never like made a piece of furniture. And my, my brother-in-law's, both Heather's brothers, were sort of in this, this a couple years ago, they were sort of in this thing where they were making a lot of things and there were tables and things. And there's like some things you can look on Pinterest of like easy furniture to build. And so I found this one on a coffee table and this was my way of like showing my family that like I can, I can actually build something. So, so I find this super easy design, and I go get all the wood, and I, I literally, like, just in six hours build this coffee table. Now, I used the wrong wood, so it was extremely heavy. Instead of using, like, pine, things like that, I used um, Douglas fir, and so, I mean, you literally need two people to carry this small coffee table. Um, the legs were, like, like, six by six, you know, it's just ridiculous, right? I, I chose the wrong lab, uh, wood, but in general, it looked pretty good. I was pretty proud of it. And I, and I had my Heather, help me, and we like brought it into the, the living room. We put it down. And um, I was like, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool coffee table. So a couple days later, I start noticing that the coffee table's changing. No one told me that you should wait for the wood to dry before you build a table. And so I'm literally, I built this table and it's, you know, it's Home Depot wood. It's soaking wet. I mean, it's not like wet to the touch, but inside, that's why it's so heavy. And so over the next week, all the wood dries. And I'm telling you, like, the boards were straight at first. I promise you that. But you look at the thing now and there's like, the, there's going, the boards are going this way and they're going up and wherever the, you know, the screw is, it's straight. And then everywhere else, it's just like all funky. And so that was, my, that was my attempt at building something. Don't invite me over to build furniture. But in all my days of building things, I've built fences, I've built decks, i built an amazing coffee table. I have never produced a piece of fruit by building anything. Have you? have you? Have you ever seen anyone build a piece of fruit? It's impossible. It's impossible. You and I, I mean, think about the kinds of things that mankind can build. I mean, Ed drives a Tesla. I mean, he, he sits in a Tesla and it drives itself. <laughs> the kinds of things that, that, that we can produce... Right? I mean, even back in the, you know, the, the, the ancient times, you know, when the Tower of Babel, what man, if they put their minds to it, what man can do is, is going to continue to blow our minds. Right? It's going to continue to evolve and maybe not for the better, but nevertheless, the innovation is incredible. And yet with all of our innovation, there's no amount of innovation that you can put in that can actually create a single piece of fruit. That's amazing to me. They can genetically change it, but you cannot create a piece of fruit. I can go to the store and buy someone else's fruit. I can go to the store and buy what somebody else grew. I can buy it. I can take it home and I can hang it on my tree and I can go, look how fruitful I am. The problem is, in about two weeks, my fruitfulness is going to start stinking and looking rotten. Because it's somebody else's fruitfulness that I borrowed because it looked awesome. And that sounds silly, but I think a lot of times we do that. We look at people and we go, wow, they're successful. And wow, they're amazing. And they've got things going. And so we just sort of, we take what we think they're doing and we apply it to our life. And we go, yeah, I'm winning. And it looks good on you for a couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months. If you're lucky, you can fake it for a couple of years. But eventually, it will be obvious that you didn't actually grow that fruit. You just stuck it on your tree. These are just good, practical things that I want to put on my tree. And it shows everyone I'm doing good. In fact, there's almost a little bit of pressure. Like, as I was building this, I was thinking... There's, there's a lot of scriptures that talk about fruitfulness and they talk about it from the standpoint that, we, that, that you'll know my, they're my disciples, two things, your love for one another, which is fruitfulness, and by their fruit, by your fruit that you will know them. And so there's almost like pressure. I was thinking like, just like, I'm going to start like putting some of this in my pocket. I'm going to put one up here so people can see it. You know what I'm saying? Like fruitfulness. If, if, if we're known by our fruitfulness, we better start loading our pockets. Right? Like I'm doing good, guys. And it's like, wait a minute. You didn't grow any of that fruit. That fruit's not going to that's not going to be very attractive in about a week. If I accidentally forget that it is in there in about a week, I'm not going to be able to wear this shirt anymore. It's going to be so gross. It's a lot like religion. See, religion says you want to be better, you want to change, you want to see something happen, then here's some lipstick, here's some makeup, put it on, and it's going to instantly make you look awesome. And then when it doesn't work to change your life, religion says, how faithful were you to put that makeup on every day? Well, you're right. Like I, I forgot to put it, I, I didn't put the base on this morning. Ladies are like, wow, that's impressive. You know what bass is? Yeah, oh yeah. Let me put the base on today. Right, I was in a rush. You're right, you're right. Tomorrow I'll do better. Tomorrow I'm gonna double down and I'm gonna put all the makeup on as I should and then maybe we'll see some change. And we all know that makeup has nothing to do with change. It just makes you temporarily look better until you wash it off. And as we look at Jesus going into this topic, this huge topic on change, he's pointing to something about where fruitfulness comes from, where transformation and change come from. And it's so important. And and in the middle of this, God showed me this in the middle of my message that I've never really thought about before. And that is, God gives us a remedy in this chapter, not only for your transformation. And where personal fruitfulness comes from, but it's also the same recipe for other change, breakthrough, mountains that you need to see moved, relationships that need to morph, things that we desire in our life to see fruitful. We all want to just go to the store and buy a basket of fruit, put it on, and go, we're good. And I think that we have all tried that at some level. Anybody with me? Anybody tried just putting on good deeds and good works and it's like, man, we're doing good. You ever ever been in a slump and you're like, you know what, I'm gonna do better. And for the next couple of weeks, like you're on it and you're starting to like feel pretty good. And then what happens? The fruit gets bad. That's what happens. It gets rotten because it didn't grow. You just picked it. Are you, are you following me? Paul refers to fruitfulness in Galatians chapter 6. And he says, um, I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 5. and He says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, uh, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And he's, he's, he's categorizing it. He's saying that, that fruit is a byproduct. He's a fruit of the Spirit. And what I love about this is that Jesus, in the middle of this conversation in the upper room, he's talking about life change. He's talking about fruitfulness. And he sandwiches this this conversation in the middle of the two greatest conversations about the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14 and John chapter 16 is where Jesus is introducing the Holy Spirit is coming. The helper is coming. He's gonna help you. He's gonna live in you. You know about him and he, he was with you, but he will be in you. And then you'll see it in John chapter 16. He talks about it's to my advantage that I go away because when I go, I send the Holy Spirit. And in the middle of those two conversations, he's talking about fruitfulness because it has to do with a work, an inward work of the Holy Spirit in our life. And so Jesus gives us a roadmap. Um, And I want to talk about three things. They're simple things, but I think that sometimes we swing swing the pendulum when it comes to fruitfulness. We either go all in on works and we go all in. and I've just got to be better. I got to change. And I've had lots of conversations with multiple people. Like, I want to grow. I want to change. Like, give me a roadmap. And sometimes we go all in on that. And then sometimes we go on the other end and we just say, you know, um, if, it's a, if it's a work of the Holy Spirit, then I can just kind of go along for the ride. It's just grace. And so I'm going to love God. And we, we kind of opt out of our responsibility for our personal growth. And we know that's not the answer. And so we're like, ah, and we just swing back and forth between the two. Jesus gives us a roadmap for transformation and change. And the first one is this, learn to abide. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. I think that statement alone is totally epic because it's kind of a promise. This is Jesus talking, and he's making a statement, a truth. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. I want to categorize this as like the soil. I want to stay on this slide. Learning to abide is the soil. Now, as I said, I don't care how much you try and how much you learn, you will never create an apple. You can grow an apple. You will never create one. And it's the same thing with change in your life. You will never create fruitfulness in your life. The scripture that we read when we started out this passage was that, that we're powerless to do so. Apart from Jesus, we are powerless. But he's saying here, if you abide in me, there will be fruitfulness. This abiding represents the soil. And that will make sense as we continue along. But we're talking about growing fruit. Abiding is the soil. And if you ever, you know, like you, Ed has, a, has a, a orchard and so he knows the, the value of soil. He's probably pulled out a Paid a lot of money for good soil. Soil is so important. Abiding is the soil to bear much fruit. But I want to go to this next one. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Now listen, this one's a little tricky, but it's so profound. Anytime we see the word commandment, we like freak out and automatically go to like the Old Testament and the Ten Commandments, you know, and we're like, ah, oh, what are you talking about? So then I have to, we like double down on, okay, well then I got to go rules and regulations. That's what it's saying. It's totally not what it's saying. And I'm going to show you that. And this really is the key to abiding. Abiding sounds awesome, but I was like, okay, is that just sitting still? Is that meditating more? What are we talking about? Well, he, he gives a key to it here. If you if you keep my commandments, my commandments, my Jesus commandments, you will abide in my love. It's interesting because um, 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, go ahead and put that up there. Says this: For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Another another chapter in Matthew chapter um, 11, follow me here. Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He was talking to a group of people who were absolutely burdened down by trying to create fruitfulness, this group of people, and they were, they, were, they were doing everything they knew how to do to follow the commandments of the law to get this. And it wasn't working. And the, the, what, the, the result was it is that their soil was horrible and they weren't growing anything. That's why Jesus came to the, the Pharisees and he said, you paint the outside of the cup, you clean the outside of the cup, and it looks amazing, but it's rotten on the inside. And so Jesus is coming and he's saying, I have a new way and my way is a new commandment that I give you. And my commandment is not burdensome. My yoke, my way is easy and light. It's impossible to abide and strain at the same time. Have you ever seen a piece of fruit straining to become a piece of fruit? Have you ever seen it like, oh, come on, fruit? Oh, it was like a constipated orange. You know, it's like, oh, come on, I'm going to do it. No. It's like if you see a tree that's dying or infected or has bad soil, then it's not going to be good fruit. But the fruit itself, it never, it never looks like it's stressed. It never looks like it's panicking. Like, maybe I won't look like that, you know? It's like, no, you're going to look like an orange if you just stay the course and allow the process to work itself out. It's impossible to abide and stress and strain and work at the same time. I wrote this down. We take our first leap towards becoming when we recognize change is a byproduct of love. See, you can leave the screen up there so he'll just keep clapping. It's perfect. Um, See, Jesus was introducing a new way. He was talking to a group of people that had no idea what they're talking about because all they know is rules and regulations and, and he was introducing a new way. And he said, listen, my way, my kingdom is not a kingdom of laws. It's a kingdom of love. He was changing the game from a government to a relationship. And we've heard that a million times. Like, it's all about a relationship. Jesus was introducing that for the first time. It's not a government of laws. It's a relationship of love because the law kills. And it was only there for a short time to protect you until I came. And now I introduce a new way. And the only way to abide is to accept the fact that love is the soil of which we live. The law has no power to change you. No power. Zero. You abiding by the regulations of the law has zero power to change you. That's free. Romans chapter eight, verse two and three says this. For in Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death for what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son. The law has no ability to produce this. It can make you look good on the outside, but you will be empty on the inside. It is a work of the Holy Spirit that produces this. You can't do it. The law says here, you do these things and you'll produce that. Liar! Because I've done those things and I never had that. Anybody with me? I've tried to be perfect and it ends up rotten and spoiled because I got tired And so Jesus says, no, that's not how this is created. It's love. The second one is this. Learn to accept God's pruning. I'm going to go through this quick because if you don't get all three, then you're just going to get stuck with, I have really good soil. Learn to accept God's pruning. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. That's brutal. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. This is, you can't have fruitfulness without this. It's the most difficult part. There's a book, it's an amazing book and it's called In My Father's Vineyard and it's a Christian man who had a vineyard and he understands all these concepts and he wrote this. Pruning is surgery of the highest order. And unless the branch is at rest, abiding, when the process begins, this cutting could destroy it. This job is so important that only the vine dresser, no hired hands will accomplish this task. Nothing will have more impact on the health and fruitfulness of the vine than pruning. I want you to notice that there's two categories of limbs, if you will, that Jesus trims or cuts. One are things that are not fruitful. In other words, they're not helpful. Anybody have God come to you and say, I'm gonna need to lop off that branch. That's not helping you. Anybody have the Holy Spirit come and say, I'm going to do an amazing work in your life and it's going to hurt because there's some things in your life that are not helping you. They're hurting you. And so in my love, I'm going to come and I'm going to do surgery, but it's going to be good and it's going to be sweet. And I love the fact that it says specifically in that scripture, he takes away. He doesn't send an angel. He doesn't have your neighbor do it. He doesn't have your pastor do it. God, the father, the good, loving father, he comes personally and he says, I'm gonna begin to shape you and mold you. And part of that's taking things away from your life because they're not helping. And the second one is when he comes and says, there's so much more potential And I know you don't see it. And I know you're excited about that one little grape you have. But I'm telling you, there's a vineyard there. And so I'm going to need to come and trim a little bit. And it's going to be sweet. It's going to be redemptive. And I am doing an incredible work in your life. You want to know the secret to real change? Yielding to the vine dresser. It's not enough to just say, oh, God, I'm going to abide in your love. You're so good. Woo! And then when he comes and says, because I'm good, I've got a few things we need to do. We need to take some things away and we need to add a few things and we need to massage this thing. And for you like, well, I don't, I want to go back to the God is good and he's so loving and I can just Chill. And he's like, well, but this is what we're going for. This is amazing. So this is the area where we surrender to the vine dresser. The first one was soil, and that's where we learn to trust God. We say, God, you're good, and we trust you, and we trust your love. I trust you to change me. I'm not trying to change me. I trust you to change me. I'm not on the law train. I'm on the spirit train. I'm on your goodness train. And so I'm at peace. I'm at rest. I'm not striving. I trust you. Now we're on the, God, I yield to the caretaker of my soul and I surrender to when you want to come. And say, I want to take this away, and I want to add this, and I want to do this. And we say, God, I'm all yours. There's no part of my life that's off limits because I know what you're doing. It's that right there because I already tried it and I can't do it. So we trust Him, and then we say, I surrender to that work. And then lastly, we never stop sewing. So we're learning to abide. We're learning to accept God's pruning. And then lastly, we never stop sowing. And this is out of Galatians 6. And this is where it's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. It says, let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season, in due season, you will reap a harvest. I guess by now in the conversation about fruitfulness, we're asking ourselves like, where's my part? What do I actually do? If I can't go create this, if I can't make it, because if I'm gonna make a table, I'm gonna go to Home Depot and I'm gonna get some stuff and I'm gonna bring it home and I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna let the, dry, the wood dry first and then I'm gonna make it. But, but now we've said, I can't make fruit. I can't develop things in my life. There are things that in, in life that are not even about developing me. In my marriage, in my relationships, in my world, in my work, there's things that I am powerless to do. I can't create fruitfulness in my life. And so what can I do? Well, we, we trust God and, and we surrender what, for, to what he's doing. This is the part where we say, okay, there are some things I can do. Because that verse goes on to say, Whatever a man sows, or woman, sows, he will reap. God will not be mocked. Whatever you put in that ground, this is the seed. The soil, the caretaker of the vineyard, and the last one is the seed. Whatever you put in the ground will grow. Now listen, if you skip to this step and you only sow, and you don't do it from a place of abiding, you don't do it from a place of surrendering as if it's a work that God does, then you get back on the religious train and you just go, you know what? I'm gonna do, I'm gonna be a, go- a do-gooder. I'm gonna, I'm gonna b- believe and I'm gonna change myself and I'm gonna get on that train. And I promise you that won't produce something. But if you go there from the standpoint of this is my part and I trust the rest to God, then whatever you sow, you will reap. Sow, sow, sow. You mentioned it. It's a mustard seed. It's a little bit. It's never been easier in our world to to get tired, to give up, to get skeptical, to stop extending, stop giving, stop believing, because it's just like, man, this world is like crazy. And so our tendency is to step back, hold back in fear. And what God is saying is, I'm calling you to fruitfulness and I'm calling you to believe God and extend and sow in every area. Extend in your relationships. I'm going to sow love. I'm going to sow love. I'm going to sow belief. I'm going to sow forgiveness. I'm going to sow joy. I'm going to sow generosity. I'm going to sow compassion. I'm going to sow all the things that I believe God is doing in my life. He's doing in my marriage. He's doing in my family. He's doing in our our city. I'm going to continue to extend and believe. And I'm going to believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is not just producing something in me, but he's using those seeds in the ground and he is growing those to something incredible and amazing. And this is what Jesus was pointing to. This is the power that we have. God, I'm going to live from a place of abiding. I'm going to live from a place of settling in your love. I'm not going to try to do it. I'm settled. I'm at peace. After the election, I'm at peace. After we see a life change experience, I'm at peace. After we're still in the middle of believing for healing, I am at peace. Why? Because I trust you, God. I trust that you're going to do it. I'm on this track with you. And then I recognize that, God, you're doing some things in my life. And so I'm going to be sensitive. And I'm going to surrender. Think about those areas in your life where God would come and say, that's not helping you. Man, I just think, I think that it's so easy to become numb and just go about our day and I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is coming to you and I every day and he's saying, I want to give things to you and I want to take things away from you and I'm trying to shape you into somebody that can bear incredible fruit. Holy Spirit, come and speak that to us. And then lastly, come on, everybody. Let's be people that sow. Come on, I don't want to give up. I don't want to get jaded. I don't want to say, nah, it's just, a, it's all, it's all worthless. It's all, it's, it's, I can't change anything. Right? I'm just one person. It's just like one pebble in a giant sea. How, how, how much good can I possibly do? These relationships or that family thing or that work thing. It's just too far gone. And so I'm just going to do my thing. I'm just going gonna, gonna to post up in fear and, and, and isolation. I'm just going to take care of me. That's what the world would say. And what the kingdom of God is, you know what? I'm never going to stop extending. I'm never going to stop loving. I'm never going to stop forgiving. I'm never going to stop living a life that says, God, I believe you that you can take my little bit and you can not only produce something awesome in me, but you can produce change everywhere I go. But it's your work. And so I trust you to do it. Father God, I thank you that... uh, you are doing something incredible in our lives. Lord, you're leading us to a place of fruitfulness that represents peace, abiding peace that no man can take away, a joy that overflows when we get up in the morning and is contagious to others, a faithfulness thank you. in those places where we just feel like it's not getting anywhere. But God, I thank you that faithfulness overflows in us And it's in those places that we say we trust you. We're surrendered to your work and we believe in the miracle working power of God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.